Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. And one other thing I want to hit in before I jump into the message is we're, we're wrapping up our, or we wrapped up our series on uh, the prophetic uh, last week. Pastor Chris did an amazing job of talking about um, prophetic evangelism. And I want to make sure that we don't, act, we don't just walk away from that series that we did in October and just kind of forget all of it. Uh, the goal for that series was to actually help us to develop a culture, develop a culture of hearing God's voice, develop a culture of, of encouraging, edifying, and comforting one, one another through what the Lord has speaking to us. Um, and so I don't want to walk away from, from October and, and never do this again. And so I want to just say, you all have permission to edify, comfort, and encourage one another. And you all have permission to help correct one another when something is a little bit off. And, and uh, we, we want this culture of the, the prophetic to continue in your daily lives. Like Pastor Chris, Chris preached last, last weekend when you're out and about in, in your jobs and in stores, but also in your homes, in your life groups, wherever it may be, God is always speaking and we just need to listen. Okay. Amen. All right, so I want to set the stage for John 21, but I want to go back to John 16. And Jesus, uh, this is the, the chapter after kind of the famous abide in me chapter, the, the chapter about the vine. And Jesus starts talking to the disciples and, and is telling them that, hey, uh, these, this thing is about to happen to me. I'm going to go to my father. And he, he, tell, he starts telling the disciples that you're about to experience a great grief, but the grief that you experience is going to turn into great joy. And he, agree, he equates this to a woman giving birth who experiences so much pain, but in an instant forgets that pain when the child is born. So fast forwarding a few chapters, you know, this is after Jesus had gone to the cross. And it's like the, the disciples even said, oh, now in, in John chapter 16, now we get what you're saying. You're speaking to us clearly. And they had this realization in their mind, I think, of, of what Jesus was about to do, but it didn't quite connect with their heart. And, and the disciples found themselves in a disoriented place after the death of Jesus. It's like they, they didn't really understand, like, oh, you really had to die? You really had to die. Everything that they had comfort in, you know, the past three and a half years of their life, they had been walking with Jesus, and they had this comfort with being with him every day. Everything that they knew was turned upside down. Everything that they knew was turned upside down. And how many of you, this is familiar territory to you, especially during the last 18 or, or 20 months, that it feels like everything that you knew has been turned upside down. But Jesus said to the disciples in John 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And for some of you, that's the message that you need to hear. That's all you need to hear today is take heart. I have overcome the world. Like he's given, he, he tells us that there's going to be difficulties and, and the next difficulty is going to come after this pandemic. 
There's going to be another difficulty and another difficulty and another difficulty. But he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen? So let's go to John chapter 21, starting in verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. So there was Simon Peter, Thomas called a twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, so those were James and John, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said, to him, they said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And so what we can learn from these first few verses is that our tendency, when things go wrong, when things go upside down, when we find ourselves in a place like some of us might might be in right now where, where, where the world is disoriented, disoriented. When, when we don't know what's up or down, with, with, when everything we, we thought we knew isn't what we knew anymore, we tend to go back to what we knew before. And we know from Luke chapter 4 that when, when Jesus, or Luke chapter 5, when Jesus called the disciples especially James, John, and Peter, we know that they were, they were partners, right? They were, and their business was fishing. And, and we know that the, the place they were was the Sea of Galilee, and the Sea of Tiberias is the Sea of Galilee. So they went back to what, what they knew. And it's interesting that Peter, um, Peter was the one who led them there. You know, the, the, he said, I'm going fishing, and the disciples followed him. And how many of you are thankful for um, stories in the Bible of, of these people that we can relate to, Peter being one of them? And we, you know, a little bit of background about Peter. He, you know, he, he had this boldness. He was a leader, right? And we see his gift of leadership even within this story. Like the disciples followed him back to what they were doing before. And, and Peter had this encounter with, with Jesus. And uh, many of you will remember the passage when, um, when Jesus says to the disciples, but who do you say I am? And, and Jesus says, you know, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. And, and Jesus says to him, blessed are you, son of, uh, of uh, Simon, son of Jonah, uh, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And upon this rock, I will be, build my church. And so Jesus is basically speaking to him, prophesying to Peter right now that you're the one that's going to lead my church. You're the, you're the rock uh, which the church is going to be built onto. And so we have, we have Peter, but then it's just like a few passages or a few verses later uh, when Jesus starts telling uh, them that he's going to die. Uh, Peter's like, no, takes, him, takes Jesus aside and says, no, what are you doing? Like he rebuked Jesus, which uh, how many of you know that's not a good idea? You know, he, re- he rebuked Jesus and, and Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. 
And it's just this, this uh, constant dichotomy of his life. Is he, he steps out in boldness and he has this gift of leadership, but he also has um, some issues in his life that he has to deal with. And, and the beautiful part about this passage, John 21, is that Jesus deals with it. And he wants to deal with what other, whatever issues you have today. And so as we're going through these scriptures, I want you just to, to let the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit move in your lives and speak to you. So, so the disciples went back. And sometimes when we have a promise and we don't see that promise fulfilled, our, our human nature is not towards perseverance or pressing through or having faith in, in whatever the promise is, but we return to the familiar. And there may be some of you that are in that place that where you've returned to the familiar, but what was the result of the disciples' labor when they, refused, when they returned to the familiar? Zero fish. We can't go back to the familiar. Our promises are found in the now and the yet to come. We're supposed to celebrate the past. We're supposed to remember the past. We're supposed to remember maybe the moves of God in the past. We're, we sit right now in our discipleship school, um, the students are, are doing studies on, on different revivalists from, from our history. And, and it's good to study that. It's good to remember that. It's good to learn from those things, but we can never have an expectation that God's going to do it that same way again because it puts an artificial limitation on what God might want to do in the future. If you think about Moses... You know, the story of Moses when the Israelites were wandering in the desert and the first time God told him, you know, strike this rock and water's going to come out, right? And then later on, God tells him to speak to the rock. But what did he do? He struck the rock. He struck the rock. He, first of all, disobeyed God. But second of all, he was stuck in the way that God was going to do it or the way that God did it before and thought he was going to do that again. But God wants to move in a new way. He wants to move in a new way in each of our lives. Amen? Amen? Amen. We also can't go back to who we were before. We can't go back into old mindsets that we might be carrying. We can't go uh, back into patterns of sin that we might have been struggling with before. We can't go back to who we were before we knew Christ. We must move forward. We must be looking forward to what God wants to do in each of us individually and what he wants to do corporately. We are God's workmanship, right? Created to do uh, good works, we want to co-labor with Jesus to see his promises fulfilled. But to do that, we need to tear down strongholds in our mind that keep us stuck in our patterns of the past. Amen. Isaiah 43 Verses 18 and 19 say, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as taking hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. Looking at verse 3, 
You know, it was nighttime and they caught nothing. And there's some symbolism here about the disciples being in the dark. They worked in the dark. They did not yet understand and were unfruitful. But then the morning came and things were about to change. God always takes us out of darkness into his light. And so his light can shine through us. Jesus wants to bring us into the new. Into the promises he's spoken over our lives. The promises that we have in his word. And into the victory that he's already won. Amen? Okay, let's go to to verse 4. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. So this is the third time, it's interesting, this is the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he, he died and was resurrected but had not yet ascended to the Father. And it's the fourth if you count his uh, appearance to Mary. And it was interesting, yet after spending three and a half years with Jesus, they somehow didn't recognize him. And it tells us a little bit later in this passage that he was a hundred yards away, a football field away, standing on shore, calling out to him. And wouldn't you think like they might recognize his voice? But they didn't. It's interesting. I think what Jesus was doing in this series of appearances where they didn't recognize him was they, he was weaning them away from recognizing him after the flesh to recognizing him after his spirit. Does that make sense? Like he, they had been so used to Jesus being in front of them, walking with them, talking with them, doing all these amazing miracles, uh, preaching the gospel, that they had gotten used to who he was after the flesh, but not realizing who he was in the spirit and, and the promise that, that he had given them of his spirit being in them. So what did Jesus tell them to do? Cast your net on the other side of the boat. And they obeyed him, not even knowing exactly, didn't know who he was at that point. But they obeyed him. There was something inside of them, the spirit that they had received. It was just a chapter, chapter before in, in John chapter 20 when, when Jesus appeared to them and breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. There was, it was his spirit inside them actually uh, obeying even though they didn't recognize it um, in the flesh. And they, they were with him. They knew him. And so their spirit was obedient to his spirit. And Jesus telling them to cast their nets on that side of the boat was actually, you know, to the other disciples uh, besides Peter. Uh, Peter is about to be restored in, in, in a powerful way. But to the other disciples that, are, that were with Peter, Jesus was reminding them of their calling. Going back to John, or going back to Luke 5, you know, when, when Jesus called the disciples, he said, cast your nets into the deep waters, Right? 
and they brought up this amazing, miraculous catch of fish. But what happened? The net broke. This time, the net doesn't break. This time, the net doesn't break. And what Jesus was doing in that moment, they had to, they had to know. It was like deja vu almost, almost. They were on the same sea. Jesus appears to them. And what he's doing to the disciples is restoring to them the calling. When he said to them, from now on, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And he's reminding them of that promise, of that calling that he has on their lives. And this time, the net is not going to break. And I want to say for each of you in this room, whatever the calling is on your life, whatever you're about to step into, this time, the net will not break. Will you repeat it after me? After me? This time, my net will not break. My net will not break. My net will not break. The disciples' net did not break. They had spent time with Jesus. They had three and a half years in, in, in his presence, and that changed them from, from that first encounter when they were fishing to then. It was his spirit in him, the Holy Spirit resting on their lives that had changed them. There's a quote I want to share. Uh, this is from one of the speakers, Sammy Rodriguez. The time you spend in his presence will determine your capacity to manage his promise. The The disciples had spent time in his presence. And that gave them the capacity for their net to not break, so to speak. In verse 7, that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. I want to stop there for a second. Why in the world would Peter, you know, being stripped for work, he was fishing. You know, it would be inconvenient to get your clothes all wet when you're fishing. He puts his clothes on and then jumps in the water. And why would John, first of all, why would John put that detail here? And I, I think what he's saying is he's, he's pointing out the, the shame that Peter was carrying because of his denial. And many of you know the story before Jesus went to the cross. You know, Peter's told him that I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Peter says, no before the cock crows, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter had walked through this painful experience where he denied Christ and he was carrying this shame. And the, putting on the clothes was a sign of the shame he carried. The other time that I think about was in, in the garden with Adam and Eve when they sinned and they ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. What did they do when God showed up? They put on their clothes. What did Peter do when Jesus showed up? He put on his clothes. He had shame. And some of you are carrying shame today and he wants to break it off. He wants to break it off. And, and, and the gift, again, on Peter's life was there. When Jesus showed up, 
he jumped into the water. When Jesus showed up walking on the water, Peter was the first one to step out of the boat. In this moment, he was, he was the first one to jump. The other disciples followed and, and drug the fish in, but he jumped out of the boat. The gift on his life was still active. The gift on each one of your lives is still active. In verse 8, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not too far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the bed. Dead. <laughs> raised from the bed. Um, in verse 10, it's interesting that Jesus told the, the disciples to bring some of the fish that they just caught. We see from this scene that Jesus already had fish and bread. He had fish cooking. He had bread ready. He had a breakfast prepared for the disciples. And he could have provided whatever they needed to eat. But he still asked for some of their fruit. He still required a surrender of what they had uh, harvested because he wanted to mix that with what he has. It's the same for us. He still requires a surrender. He still requires a surrender. In the charcoal fire, I want to point this out. Uh, one of the only other places in, in Scripture where a charcoal fire was recorded was when, when Peter was in the courtyard warming his hands and the servant girl asked him, weren't you one of those guys that was with Jesus? And he denied him. And what Jesus was doing in this moment, was taking Peter to the place of his pain. He was taking Peter to the place of his hurt. He was, he was, he was bringing it to the surface. And let me tell you that, that whenever Jesus confronts our pain, confronts our hurt, he wants to heal it. He's doing this to heal Peter. He's, about, he's setting him up to heal him and restore him. But first he had to confront, he had to surface that pain inside of him. And some of us in this room, we want God to move in an instant and we want him to just fix everything. But in his goodness, he realizes that we need to actually dig up the deep things inside of us, the deep hurts inside of us, the places of our pain so that he can bring healing. I don't have too much time, but I want to share my story, a little bit of my story. And I've experienced some places of pain. You know, growing up, I was, I dealt a lot with, with self-confidence issues. Um, 
not feeling that I was good enough. And a lot of that came from, you know, just a childhood. I grew up a principal's kid. You had everybody making fun of you. And I, and I agreed with, you know, some of the, the things that people spoke over me, not even realizing that. And fast forwarding through um, junior high, you know, I received the Lord, got to college and just got ignited on fire for Jesus. Uh, received the Holy Spirit, which made a drastic change on who I was on the outside. I became more confident. I became more uh, aware of what he called me to do. I became more uh, bold. But little did I know there was, there was still some things hidden in me. And I, I um, fast forward again to, say, 2013, 2014. You know, I was a part of Burning Hearts ministry before it was a church. And I experienced, I've shared this story of, of burnout before. Burnout in, in ministry, burnout in life, in everything. And, and I entered what people might call like a, you know, the wilderness season or the dark night of the soul or whatever you want to call it, however you want to label it. Um, it was so difficult to connect with the Lord in that time. And, and it, was, it was a several year period where, where Jesus slowly started to, to restore things in me. You know, I was, I was at this point where I had, I, it's like I couldn't even open my Bible. I probably went like, you know, open my Bible once or twice a month when it was a daily thing before then. Like I couldn't, I didn't even feel like I could pray for anybody. Like it was, it was weird. Like this grace had lifted. And through that, Jesus was doing a bunch of other things. He was calling me he was reminding of me of my calling into engineering, which is what I did before a pastor, and, and uh, just doing a whole bunch of different things. And then fast forward again to um, last year. And, you know, there was civil unrest. There was a pandemic. And in my own life, I was dealing with different things at my job. We had experienced a... Uh, a riff, a reduction in force that had actually promoted me into this position of leadership. And during that time, there's just so much, you know, just craziness going on. And I was asking the Lord, what are you doing in this time? And he said, I, I'm shaking everything that can be shaken. And I thought he was like doing it in, in my workplace, doing it in the world, but he was doing it inside of me as well. And I entered this time, you know, the fall before, so the, this would have been February, this happened. The fall before, like September, uh, my wife and I experienced a, a miscarriage. And there was the pain of that that hadn't actually been, been dealt with. And then there's this being thrust in a position of leadership, which I didn't feel like I was qualified for because I never thought I was being good enough. That I was never good enough to lead. And Jesus was starting to confront the things in my life. And, and in, in the greatest news that I could have received in, in my life, that we were about to have a son. Many of you uh, know him, Ted. I was excited on the outside, but inside I've, I felt so overwhelmed because I didn't know how I would handle it. And I, I, was, I was crushed. I felt like I was being crushed. And, and fast forward more through the summer, more and more happened at work where there's just weights and weights and weights. But through it all, Jesus started telling me that you're good enough. You're good enough. You're good enough. 
And there was this slow process of healing. There was a slow process of healing. And, and he took me out of it. He took me out of it. In his grace, he took me out of it. And, and, and Jesus is about to take Peter out of it. And Jesus is about to take you out of whatever you need to be taken out of. And I thought I had disqualified myself. I had this call of ministry on my life. And I thought decisions that I had made, you know, eight, nine, ten years ago had, had disqualified me from my calling. But here I am now, <laughs> doing ministry in front of you. Here I am as a, as a message of Isaiah, or sorry, of, of Romans, where it says the giftings and callings of God are irrevocable. And for you, the giftings and callings of God are irrevocable. And for Peter, the giftings and callings of God were were irrevocable. So what I want you to do right now is stand up. And I want to read this last uh, part of the passage where Jesus restores Peter. And whatever it is in your life that you need restoration from, Whatever it is in your life that he's confronting right now, that he's bringing to the surface because he wants to heal it, I want you to set it before him. I want you to surrender it. Verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. And he says to you, Feed his lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. And he says to you, Tend my sheep. Whatever it is that he's called you to do, do it. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he has said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And we know the rest of this story. He, Jesus restored Peter in that moment. For the, for the three times that, she, that Peter denied Jesus, it was three times that Jesus restored him. And for however many times that you've denied Jesus, that you've walked away from your calling, that you've gotten discouraged, that you've, you've lost perseverance, he will restore you. His giftings and callings are irrevocable. His giftings and callings are irrevocable. And we know the rest of the story. Just a little bit later in Acts chapter 2, the disciples stood up with Jesus, or with Peter. And Peter was the one who preached that famous message in Acts chapter 2 and started the church where thousands of people came to know Jesus. He was the rock on which Jesus built his church. So I want to pray right now.
for, for a few things. Um, come Holy Spirit. Yeah, I want to pray right now. And if this is you, I just want you to, to wave a hand at me. If you feel like you've disqualified yourself because of choices you've made, even issues that you're, you're processing through with Jesus in your life, if you feel like you've disqualified yourself for the calling, for the giftings that he has for you, would you just raise your hand? Yeah, we've got people with hands raised across the room. If, if Jesus is confronting and, and a place of emotional pain in you, if you've experienced pain, whether it's because of something you've done or someone else has done to you, I want to pray for that as well. So if that's you, wave a hand. And then if you're just feeling conviction of the Holy Spirit, if you've fallen into those patterns of, of going back to the past or expecting God to move the same way he did before and, and you're feeling him calling you to changing your thinking, to, to repenting of that, I want you to wave a hand as well. All right. If you're in one of those three areas and um, you feel the spirit moving on you, I just want you to come up to the altar. I think there's, a, there's just a blessing that comes in that surrender of coming to the altar. And so we wanna, I wanna pray over you when you come up. So if you wanna do that. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. We thank you for the cross, the resurrection, and the ascension, Father. And we thank you that Jesus meets us in our places of pain, our places of hurt, our emotions. And Jesus, I just pray right now that you would heal hearts where there's deep emotional wounds where there's where lies where there's lies that we believe god that you would heal our hearts that you would bring those things to the surface so that you can heal them and that you can restore us to the fullness of who you've called us to be and lord for those that feel that they've disqualified themselves, that they've made choices that have caused them to not be able to walk in your plans for them, your promises for them. God, I pray that you, that you um, restore to them 
everything, that you restore to them the joy of their salvation, that you restore to them the promises that they have, that your promises are yes and amen, that your gifts and your callings are irrevocable, God, that you don't change your mind and their eyes are fixed on you, their their lives are surrendered to you. So Father, I just pray you restore those things, God, that you awaken giftings, that you awaken callings in Jesus' name, that Father, people would even hear a call into missions today in Jesus' name, to go to the nations in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And for those who have found themselves going back to the old, expecting God to move the way he did before, Father, we pray that you forgive us for for putting you in a box, for, for putting a cap on how you move. We want what you have now. We want what you have going forward. (laughs) You're doing a new thing in us, in our body, in our church, in the world. Help us to see it and to partner with you. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services, either 9 or 1045 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.